What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host of Locked On Dolphins. And on today's episode of the show, just got done grinding the tape of Monday Night Football and the Dolphins' 20-3 victory over the Saints. What stood out? I'm glad you asked. It's exactly what we're going to work our way through here today on the show. Buckle in. Another episode of Locked On Dolphins coming at you. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and uh, very pleased to have worked my way through the Monday night football game tape. And I have plenty of observations I want to talk to you guys about today on the show. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins-related listen of the day. I know we're going up a little later, you know, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, Wednesday today. But that's because we had to stay up and grind the tape from Miami's 20-3 victory over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, before we get there, however, we do have a bit of an update on some of the Miami Dolphins players that are going on uh, the COVID reserve list. There, there were four players yesterday that were placed on that list, uh, including safety Brandon Jones, who's probably the biggest and most prominent name of the four that are going on. Uh, defensive tackle Adam Butler, defensive tackle John Jenkins, and wide receiver Preston Williams. Uh, practice squad player Derval Nito also going on the list. But it is worth mentioning that uh, in accordance with the new recommendations for quarantining from the CDC, the NFL um, and the NFLPA have adopted new COVID protocols that have cut the quarantine window in half from 10 days to five days. And there is no testing protocols required after five days to get out of protocol. So for all of those players that went on that list, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, could, should, theoretically, be available to play on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. That change in protocol is also good news for guys like Duke Riley and Justin Coleman and Solomon Kinley and Greg Manns um, and Albert Wilson, who at various points throughout the past week have also been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. So some of those guys potentially uh, available to practice sooner rather than later. Uh, anybody who goes on from here the rest of the week uh, may have to test out of protocols if they want to play on Sunday. So fingers crossed that it's a quiet week on that front for the Dolphins. Of course, they have two games left to play, uh, sitting at 8-7 and seven in the 7th seed as things currently stand. Suddenly have quite a bit to gain and quite a bit to lose with the two games that they have left to play. We'll see what the day brings. Um, but let's talk about this game that the Dolphins played on Monday Night Football. And... Yes, this was a Saints team that didn't have a lot of their usual players. Uh, but I thought the offensive game plan for the Dolphins, regardless, uh, was pretty clearly predicated on uh, making sure 
that the stud pass rush duo of Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport did not blow up your game plan. And they really coached around those guys a little bit as far as schematically what they tried to do. They were very selective, and you could see why, because Marcus Davenport gave Liam Eikenberg fits. Jesse Davis was blown up plenty of times by players that weren't Cam Jordan, let alone when he did try to block Cam Jordan, who had the big sack uh, right there at the end of the first half and uh, took the Dolphins out of field goal range with Jason Sanders missing the kick. So whether it was stuff like the Tommy Lee Lewis jet pass for a touch pass and getting him out on the outside, or I thought there were less instances of Miami running a lot of the RPO stuff with the leak out into the flat that they've had success with. And I think that was probably because they didn't want to get into a situation where they left that end man unblocked and opened Tua up to be hit with a lot of free runners. So if you think about the way that the early season game against the Bills went in week two, and how they had no way to get out of that heavy penetration uh, from Buffalo. I think that lesson kind of learned was applied with the dynamic play that the Saints had on the outside. And I appreciate that. I think that, you know, understanding the DNA of any given game and what its makeup is going to be is important. And I wish the Dolphins at times were a little bit more aggressive uh, but they were aggressive when they needed to be in this contest, as evidenced by the the shot play down the sideline to Mac Hollins. And I, I thought there were some plays that probably were left on the bone. I tweeted one out from Locked On Fins this morning, and it was uh, the slant pass to Miles Gaskin. And from a situational football perspective, it's third and, and middle, right? So you're going to want to try to, like third and four. And you're going to want to try and convert that for a first down. So throw the slant underneath of a vertical stem from your too, too strong receiver because you've got free access to that side. And based on Tua's drop, it was a one-step rock and throw to the slant to Miles Gaskin. If the throw was accurate, if he didn't have to try get it up over a defender and an offensive lineman in his throwing window, he probably connects on the ball but he had to try and get it up and over in a short amount of time and throw it with pace, and it didn't happen. So the ball was incomplete. But to the other side of the field, you had Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell in a twin set, and they ended up running a rub with Waddle releasing outside from his inside alignment and running a fade. And the pre-snap picture showed that the Saints had their DBs on different levels, which means that theoretically they should have been able to pass that off and banjo that and be in position. But after the snap, they weren't. And I understand why from a, your thought process is, don't let these pass rushers blow up your day, right? And you have free access in the pre-snap to a slant route. That's the side you're going to pick to work. But I really there were opportunities based on if the rules of where Tua's eyes are supposed to start, if those rules would have been different, he could have found Jalen Waddle on that fade route for potentially what would have been a touchdown from the high red zone. 
They didn't get it. And it's fine. You know, it's but it's understanding why things like that work the way that they do that I think is an important context. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of Jalen Hurts that went viral at the beginning of the week, but uh, he was asked a question about, oh, you had a free runner down the field and you didn't throw it to him. So what happened on that play? And he pretty much basically explained, you know, it's a pure progression read for me, which means I have to start with my first progression and work my way through. And based on the covered shell that they gave us, which they gave us a zone match or cover seven, um, I'm told against that look, my priority is throw the ball here, throw the ball here. But seeing some of the athletic matchups that Miami did have, the uh, strip sack against uh, two in the red zone early in the game that they had to recover the fumble to save to kick the field goal to go up 10 points. Mike Kosecki's running the divide route, and they the Saints stayed in too high. And the Mike linebacker was flat-footed and squatting. But the pass rush off the outside forced Tua to, to step up off his platform where I think if he would have been able to stick his back foot in the ground at the top of his drop and rip the throw, he could have got it up over Pete Werner, who was not turning to hunt up the route. He was flat-footed, and you had split safeties with Mike running that divide right down the middle. And he probably could have had a touchdown. Uh, but instead, he had to step up, and then his eyes come to his right, and he's looking, and he's trying to pick up, okay, which one of these dual, dual in-breaking shallows am I going to throw the ball to? And uh, Davenport came off of Lee Eikenberg and cleaned him and, and forced the fumble. So opportunities that were there, uh, but those pass rushers very much had an influence regardless. And this, that, despite the fact that that was appeared to be based on the game plan, uh, a very big talking point for what the Dolphins did not want to happen in this football game. So credit to those two pass rushers, uh, but credit to Miami for sticking with a game plan that found ways to, to mitigate them as best as they possibly could when that was very much clear and obviously the number one talent advantage that the Saints had over the Dolphins. It's a new year, which means new resolutions. And if you're about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plans. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on other bars. Built Bar will make it easier to stick to whatever your resolution is because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like the sole of your shoe or all that nonsense. You don't get that with Built Bar. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, "Is this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, the chocolate's with Built Bar. Right now, you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. One thing I will say for Tua, you know, I, I didn't think this was the strongest performance of the year from Tua by any means. There were some missed opportunities. There were some missed throws. Uh, I think the wheel route to Tommy Lee... Lewis, uh, I think a better receiver probably makes that play. And based on the coverage being capped over top of it, I don't mind the fact that it was a back shoulder throw and Lewis was looking at it the whole way. I don't think that one 
which stood out as a missed opportunity, was one that I would hammer Tua for too hard. Uh, I will say this for Tua as well. One thing that I didn't think he did a great job of against the Jets that I thought he did a better job of in this game was using his eyes to scan and work through more more of the full field of play with his progressions. Even when he was forced off his spot, the throw to Durham Smythe is a beautiful example of that uh, because his eyes are starting away from Smythe, he gets to the top of his drops, and he's in towards the middle of the field, and then he's forced and flushed, and his eyes stay up, and he comes back to that third option on the backside, and boom, drills the throw. Him getting off his spot at the top of the drop, making that first rusher miss, and then finding outlets like Mike Gusecki along the sideline on a double-out concept uh, for a first down down inside the 30-yard line to move the chains after the Saints went forward on fourth down. Things like that, where I thought he used his eyes to survey more of the field. And you got to be able to compartmentalize that too, because there's sometimes... Uh, like the shot play to, uh, I think it was Devontae Parker he took the shot to, where his eyes start one way because he's trying to steer the safety, and then he comes back at the top of his drop immediately and just throws the ball. But that's worthwhile if you are trying to manipulate the safety, right? On the ball to Mac Hollins, he didn't do that. Because there was one safety, and he was on the opposite hash, away from the, into the boundary, over top of Parker, as compared to being it truly in the middle of the field where he would have been a threat to that throw. So that was good awareness from Tua to understand, where's the safety? Do I need to worry about looking him off, or is this strictly going to be, hey, it's one-on-one, they're playing cover one, I see the safeties on the near hash, I'm throwing to the field, so I've got extra room to throw. Just lay it out over top for him. And don't worry about moving your eyes so much. He did that. And I thought that was a big plus for him specifically. Defensively? Oh my goodness gracious. This front kicked ass all day. And I get it. Again, they didn't have Tron Armstrong. They didn't have Ryan Ramchek. Andrew Pete's been on IR. I understand they're undermanned up front. But Eric McCoy's a really good center, and Cesar Ruiz is a first-round pick playing right guard. And Wilkins and Davis and Sealer, they took those guys' lunch all night long. And I love the fact that we saw more of the heavy four-man front for Miami. You know, they, they stayed in their true bear look, and they, they got in their 5-0 package and uh, mugged the linebackers up. But you also got quite a bit of the heavy four-man front with Agba, Davis, Wilkins, and Sealer, and that being your four-down linemen. And they really got after New Orleans as far as setting the run and neutralizing Alvin Kamara. And uh, I know the game script kind of got away from Kamara being a real high-impact player in the game, but I still think you think about how the Dolphins were able to mitigate Kamara, just like they were able to mitigate Lamar Jackson when they played the Ravens earlier this season. And I thought they'd, they've done a nice job during this stretch of defensive play in having answers for every team's best option. You know, if you, you 
Look at the first game against the Jets, Elijah Moore, who's a really dynamic rookie and is going to be a really good pro. Uh, he had a long catch and run touchdown reception uh, that really boosted his numbers, but he was like the primary in the passing game. And outside of a 65-yard catch and run for a touchdown or whatever it was, I thought he was representing himself or the Dolphins represented themselves against him really well. So week in and week out, I think that's a, a storyline I'm going to be interested in, and that week, this week, that's going to be A.J. Brown, the wide receiver uh, in Tennessee. Uh, don't think we should be expecting Derrick Henry, although I will clarify with Locked on Titans, we're doing the crossover on crossover Thursday tomorrow. Uh, A.J. Brown came back and was phenomenal uh, after coming back from IR against San Francisco, but you know, really, credit to Tennessee for figuring it out. A.J. Brown was drawing coverage from a sixth-round pick that was given up like five inches to him in size and stature. So the opportunity for both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard to match on him is one I'm interested to see how the Dolphins choose to tackle. Uh, speaking of tackling, Jerome Baker, jetpack on his back in this football game. Holy cow. He was all over the place, phenomenal range, getting off blocks. It's a pass rusher, really quick penetration. He's back into his form from last year, and that's good news for everybody uh, up front because his presence as a pressure player is an added dynamic that teams have to account for. If you see him walked up in the gaps like that, uh, it, it's not like you could just turn a blind eye to him. And I thought this was the best showcase we've seen from Bake this season from a range perspective and a pressure perspective. The rest of the young group, you know, Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, relatively quiet night. Holland is a freaking stud tackler, man. Some of his fits coming downhill and tackling on the second level are tremendous. And um, it's one of the best parts about his game, in my opinion. And you foil that versus the dude up in Pittsburgh these days who's grabbing at cloth and overrunning stuff. And, well, bless his heart. Hope he's uh, enjoying looking up at Miami in the standings. I don't know. Van Ginkle, very, very active game. Uh, thought his his strong play in the has been one of the key pieces of this defensive turnaround. I don't feel like they're asking him to do too much. He's using his quickness on the edge at the point of attack, getting upfield, defeating blocks from tight ends, which he did uh, against New Orleans. Brandon Jones active once again. Uh, it seems like with COVID protocols, we we will have the chance to see him regardless on uh, Sunday. Against the Titans, that's not official. That's just kind of me trying to do the math and thinking I know the protocols based on what the changes are. Uh, we'll see, though. But, um, yeah, I thought the young nucleus of this defense is super exciting, and we all know that. But if you think about who so many of these guys are that are making big plays, Zach Sealer is a waiver wire ad. Yeah, Raekwon Davis was drafted in the second round two years ago. Christian Wilkins was drafted in the first round three years ago, and he was a man on a mission again. Absolute monster again. Javon Holland, not so much in this game, 
but overall. Jalen Phillips, not so much in this game, but overall. Uh, Manny Agba was a free agent addition and is somebody that they need to figure out the contract situation on. I'm going to be so bummed if this thing doesn't work, man. You need to pay this guy, keep him locked in. But um, they got a lot of hits on defense. And now they need to invest themselves and commit themselves this offseason to doing the same thing on the offensive side of the ball with more complimentary pieces for what you conceptually want to be and want to do. Shout out Matt Collins. Beautiful catch on the 40-plus yarder downfield on third and nine to help kickstart and kind of close that game. And also his work on special teams, uh, getting that ball down on the one-yard line late in the game to really help put the Saints on skates and on their heels for the last time with about five minutes left in the game. So a lot of the usual names, usual performers, uh, but the way in which they did it, you know, they're, they're still finding new ways and new looks to implement these guys. And I think that's a really exciting piece to still have that many layers and, and showing that number of new things this late in the season. Uh, that's very promising for what the next two weeks can potentially be for your Miami Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. Enjoy Victory Wednesday. We'll talk with you tomorrow for Crossover Thursday.